Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. Everybody, Happy New Year. We made it to 2021, I think. <laughs> in there. Yay! I think we're going to have a much better year this year, or at least I'm hoping. I uh, don't know what everybody's New Year's resolutions are, but I know for me, once it's safe to do so, I'm looking forward to being able to actually go out of the house, which is supposed to happen at some point this year. I don't know. What are you guys planning to do in the new year? Greener pastures. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are planning to move. I know that. I want to, I want to be able to like go out and like go to a restaurant and sit and just like be there for a while without worrying about my mask. Yeah, that'll be nice. <laughs> Actually, that'll be really nice. I think uh, the restaurants are ready for that too. I know, uh, you know, this has been so hard on small business and it is important to continue to support them all, even if it's takeaway for right now, just to keep them out there. I know one of my favorite sushi restaurants, I think it's completely gone. Um, at least they've been closed since last March. And uh, I don't know if they're going to come back or not, but uh, I think we're unfortunately we're going to see that a lot across the board. So it's important to kind of just hold in here until this whole thing gets done. But we've got a good show for you this week. We're going to be looking back at some material from last year. And yes, it's a clip show, but it's the good stuff. One of the things we're going to be doing is uh, looking at a review of Alphabet Squadron. And Gretchen, this was something you did. Give us a quick synopsis. It's been a while since I've read it. Well, I know, but it was, I don't mean the synopsis of the books, just that it was a book review. <laughs> Anybody that wants the synopsis of the books can listen it, to the review. It's a Star Wars novel about a, a, a fighter a group, pilot. It's, it's a group of fighter pilots that have st been stuck together, but they all started in a different group. So yeah. it's like they're kind they're, of a ragtag bunch. Yeah, it's like they've all got different ships from different squadrons with different numbers and whatnot. And it's it's. It's a pretty good book. It's going to be interesting. I'm still wondering what happened to Harris Kid. Yep, and that's what I was going to say. It's going to be interesting to see where all of that goes because uh, the Star Wars universe is in kind of a state of flux right now, and um, be interesting to see where all of it ends up. Bill, what are you shooting for this year? I don't even know, to be oh. honest. There you go. You've got the same resolution I do. Uh, waking up was one of them. <laughs> oh yeah. So, Jeremy, what's your hope other than greener pastures? I, I want to be able, like I said, I want to be able to go out and do something and not worry about whether or not I brought a mask. Yeah, yeah. Or if I can find one in the store or something. It's like, you know, I I, I understand and I, I have several masks. It's just weird. Like yesterday, I realized that I have my mask with me, but I didn't have it on and no one seemed to be really freaking out yet. It was weird. So, yeah, <laughs> that's about right. <laughs> All right. Well, our first clip is going to be Alphabet Squadron. So on to that. And we look forward to next week where we'll have original content again. Today's news is brought to you by the Be Local, Buy Local holiday shopping campaign sponsored by the Sherwood Chamber of Commerce and Metropolitan Land Group. Save up to 20% on gift cards and support local businesses impacted by the pandemic. Go to SherwoodChamber.org for more information. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Jeremy Gretchen, welcome back to the show. Hey there. Hello. So I hear we have a book discussion today. Yeah, we've actually got two things. We have uh, a Marvel comic book. Um, Jeremy calls them. Well, the Age of Rebellion, uh, Star Wars Age of Rebellion is a series. And it's usually one comic book at a time. Each one is like 30 pages, half of its ads, you know. Um, so we end up buying the graphic novels, which is they take five or six comic books and stuff them together into one book. 
And this is the villains version. So it's Vader and, and uh, Jabba the Hutt and Tarkin. Boba Fett and Tarkin. And it's a series of different stories, but it only is about them. So we're not reading one story about Vader and then Luke and then, you, you know, an old story about Yoda or anything. This is all just the villains. Just the so-called bad guys. And IG-88 is also in this yes. one, too. So Yeah, it's so, pretty cool. It's a, it's a nice series. The art's pretty good. The stories are good. Um, I didn't care for the Tarkin one. I didn't think it suited his character, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the job of the Hut one was done well, though. Yes. <laughs> All right. So I, we had a listener question, by the way, about graphic novels. I'm just going to ask this before you really get into this. Okay. Are, are graphic novels in some way inappropriate for children? And I think where this comes from is the name. It depends on the story because um, there's uh, some versions of graphic novels that yeah. are uh, adult material. Right. Okay. It's like a different genre. It's a different genre. But the, the idea of a graphic novel is you've taken several different, instead of having to go collect 50 comic books, you collect uh, four graphic novels. And graphic refers to as pictures, not as in explicit material. Right. Okay. So the, I guess a good rule of thumb there would be to look at what your child is getting before they get it, uh -huh. just to be sure. Because, exactly. But it doesn't mean because, by definition that it's adult-oriented material. Right. There's, um, I think, like a lot of high-end uh, Japanese mm -hmm. material that is for adults. It, it's definitely grown-up stuff. Okay. So, okay. It, so just check it out. <laughs> it's always a good uh, idea to know what your, you know, what your children are reading anyway. All right. Age of Rebellion Villains. What did you think of it? I liked it. I, I like the comic book series anyway. I enjoy comic books. I grew up with them a lot. Um, but this is, you know, my favorite characters, except Tarkin. Um, but Boba Fett and Vader, and there's a really cool one with Jabba the Hutt in it that also has Boba Fett. Uh, there's a really cool story about IG-88. It's a good series. Uh, Marvel Comics is doing a really nice job with the with all of the uh, Star Wars comics. Oh, that's good to hear. That's good to hear. There's this okay. reputation that uh, Marvel's good at movies and DC's good at the books. Uh, but it looks like that's um, all being being flipped up here in the sense that it sounds like Marvel's got a good comic book, and I know some of the upcoming DC movies are going to be really good. So good to well, see. Cool. Now, this book called um, Star Wars Alphabet Squadron is uh, tied into a, a, a comic book series. Yes, it's a Star and, Wars TIE Fighter. Yeah. Um, and I think that was several years ago now. And they've given a sample inside of the book, inside of the novel of some of the drawings and stuff. And it wasn't anything that we had gotten involved in. But um, obviously, if you're into that particular comic book series, you might want to read the book. Right. Um, the book is, uh, gosh, I like Alexander Freed. Yet, um, I really felt like he wasn't very passionate about the characters. Um, I had a hard time feeling like he was in love with the characters and that these were awesome people that he just totally wanted to tell a story about. Um, I get that impression when I read uh, stuff about Admiral Thrawn by Timothy Zahn. And um, I can't remember the lady writer's name, but the Dark Disciple novel which is another Star Wars novel, I really felt like that she um, totally cared about the characters and that the story was written with love. And I think this one almost feels like um, he was told, here, write about this, and, and it like he wasn't totally excited. He's really good at writing the military stuff. Right. 
the, uh, describing uh, engagements and combat and the tools. He did that also in, was it Battlefront? Mm-hmm. Battle, the Battlefront book series, not yeah. the video game. Yeah, no. <laughs> so Jeremy, you, what were your thoughts on it? Uh, it's, it's a good series. It's a good novel. Um, you're getting to come up with, you know, uh, 20 or 30 new characters that you've never heard of before and a couple that you have. And then it's about engagements uh, between the um, rebellion after the Empire has fallen at Endor. It's like a cleanup uh, operation. So, you know, what's left of the Empire is fragmented, not working as well as it could. But the resistance or rebellion or New Republic or whatever you want to call it has to go in and clean up whatever the Empire is trying to do. And... You know, it's good. I'm not as fond of the psychological, you know, trauma that all these people have been through and have to work on. Yeah, it's like they're beating a dead horse. Kind of. And uh, I noticed that Canto Bite, um, the Canto Bite book had the same thing where they kept repeating the same thing over and over and over. And it's like, um, this isn't a commercial. You don't need to say it three times. Right, right. <laughs> so so I, let me let me sum this up then. Are you recommending this book? Yes or no? And if so, for what audience? I would recommend this book. It, it's, um, I don't believe it's for children, no. but it's, if you like Star Wars and you like reading about, uh, you want to know more about what happened after the Empire fell, you're going to want to read the book. It, it's about a, uh, a specific squadron called Alphabet Squadron, and they're calling it Alphabet Squadron because they're not using all of the same kind of ship. Yeah. Right. There's an X-Wing and a Y-Wing and an A-Wing and a B-Wing and a U-Wing. So they're calling it the Alphabet Squadron. <laughs> yeah, that's where they get the nickname, which okay, I thought was makes, pretty clever. Yeah, that, no, it sounds like a lot went into the title, and, and that makes sense. And if you're going to read this book, read it all the way to the end because there's something at the very end. That's what caught my attention. That was where the intrigue started for me. And so it's like, if there'd been a follow-up novel, I would have wanted to read that one. Um, maybe more so than this one. Right. And it, it kind of tantalizes you. So I don't know what happens after that. And maybe it's, maybe it's answered in the comic books. Yeah. Or maybe, maybe. eventually there's going to be a follow-up novel. You know, sometimes that is uh, uh, presented in that way. So the book is Star Wars Alphabet Squadron. Alexander Freed is the author. Comic mm-hmm. book is Age of Rebellion Villains. And villains. Villains, yes. And it's part of the Age of Rebellion series. Uh, word that I evidently cannot say today, but we will be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Great show today, guys, so far. Yeah. And I know today we're going to be talking about collectibles. This is a question, a number of different topics to do with that that have come up. And send us your questions. That's how we program our show, 503-766-6264. One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter. And that being said... Go ahead and give us a start here, Gretchen. What are we talking about with collectibles? Well, you know, when, when you go to a Comic-Con and some of these other events, there's always vendors out there with their artwork or, you know, just items like um, action figures, artwork, dice. Legos. Yeah. And the thing is, is we haven't really discussed 
anything about the collectibles that are in pop culture. And matter of fact, this topic is enormous. You, you even have a mother that collects. Uh, Jeremy has a collection of comic books, action figures of all kinds of different ranges. I mean, nice. it, you can collect by franchise mm-hmm. or by... Um, Actually, the style of whatever it is. Yeah. And we have another friend who collects artwork. So, uh, and we have a, a collection of lightsabers, which started out from the fact that we collected um, swords and mm. daggers from um, once doing Renfair. So, Bill, you do you have any collections? Oh, yeah. Probably a few too many. And every time I move, people complain to me about them um, just because it's so much. But no, I understand exactly what you're saying. There's a lot of things that I, I have an autograph collection. I also have a lot of family antiques and like to collect things like sterling silver. My address is 123 Main Street. And uh, the alarm <laughs> code is, no, I'm kidding. But the, <laughs> but the bottom line of it is, is yeah, there, there are a number of these things out there. At one time, I used to collect uh, vintage video games like the Atari and all of that type of thing. And uh, I know exactly what you're talking about in pop culture. You have some very specific things, and these type of collections actually have two sides of the coin. Number one, they can be worth a lot of money, and we're going to talk about that in a minute. But the other side is there's a lot of value. It's something that builds a little bit of who you are and what you are and what you like. And some of these things, there's, you know, made for mass audiences, but other things, there's some very unique items that there aren't a lot of them out there. And I know from that standpoint, you you know, you can get some really, really cool things. I know that as a, for example, on my autograph collection, when I got the autographs, they're either people I've worked with or met or that type of a thing. And I would say that two-thirds of them have passed away now. I couldn't get them again. And if I I went on eBay and ordered one, it'd be expensive. But the other side of it is is it wouldn't be the same thing as the one that I got in person. Yeah, that that I think would mean more. And that's one of those things about going to the Comic-Cons. They always have celebrities. And you can always buy an autograph and get a photo and, you know add to your collection or or you your know. or from your favorite artist. Yeah. I've also noticed recently I'm seeing more and more vendors and artists or craftsmen selling Dungeons and Dragons dice, these role-playing dice, and they're getting prettier and prettier as as the time goes on. And it's kind of like this thing where you've got to have more. You've got to have the really small ones. You've got to have the metal ones. You've got to have the ones that sparkle. You got to have ones that are made out of wood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I know some you're going to get weird dice. Get weird dice, but you know, make sure you like them. Well, and it's enough that there was actually an entire booth and a big booth at the Comic Con in San Diego that just sold dice. Yeah, that was Chessex. They manufacture dice. That's their. That's what they do. They they sell dice, and it's just what they had on display there. I mean, I, I have that photo. It's like. Wow. (laughs) So, so Jeremy, what are some of the things you collect? I mean, you kind of gave us a 10,000-foot view. Oh, well, I I haven't collected comic books in a long time, but I do have a a fairly good-sized collection. Uh, I've got lightsabers, action figures. uh, There's some stuffed animal things, uh, signed art. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, I've got some cool, really cool little tiny knickknacks that are um, not just like a little block of something, but itty bitty toy cars and and little game figures that are, that aren't manufactured anymore. And then there's the focus on uh, you used to collect a lot of Spider Man. Mm-hmm. Spider Man, when we first met, that was his favorite superhero. And then there's a lot of Boba Fett, which I also like Boba Fett and the Mandalorians and the Star Wars stuff. So we have a lot of those too. Yeah, I know. It's just 
It's amazing how these things sneak up on you too, because recently I've started reviewing movies and we've had movie reviews on the show for a while. But one of the things you get when you go to the press screens are these movie posters. So all of a sudden I've ended up with this huge collection of movie posters to an extent that I think I'm going to need to build more walls in my house because I'm running out of wall space. <laughs> yeah, I kind of know the feeling because um, we've got a lot of artwork as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we need more walls. You need more walls. <laughs> I guess we're going to start papering the ceiling. I know everybody's going for open concept now, but I need to build a wall around my kitchen just to have a place to put the artwork and posters. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, so I'm kind of curious. What do you think our viewers like to collect? What do you think they like to hear about? I'd like to know. Going by the we're going by the, some of the questions we've gotten, there's all kinds of things out there. One of the more unique ones were some Star Wars screen used collectibles, that type of thing, and different. Oh wow, that's the expensive stuff. Yeah, expend different shows. I know somebody that has the beekeeper suit from the episode of Lucifer that came out last season. You know, all of these kind of things, which uh, which are just unique, and you're not going to be able to get them again. And people have them and and, and really enjoy them. And, you know, this is actually another topic because there is a certain amount of value. And, and like an older car, if something gets lost or wrecked, you're not going to necessarily got, get what you paid for them. But there yeah. actually are ways to insure all of this stuff. And a collectible insurance policy, there's a number of providers out there. You want to do some research if you go that route. And I found that one of the very important things to have, not just for the insurance, but just for knowing what's an inventory, is an inventory. And a couple of years ago, I was asked to do that. So I had to sit down and I just got uh, at that time an Excel spreadsheet. And you can use any kind of a spreadsheet. Google Sheets now is free where you actually can take a picture of each item, put in a description, and then you have a list of all the things you have. So if you do suffer a loss, there's at least a way to get some of the cash back out of it. But you never get the pleasure back of being able to collect and acquire these things. No, and some of the stuff that I have can't be replaced. And some of it has memories attached. like. You went to a great event or saw something really wonderful with friends. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's a big part of it. And, you know, for me, a lot of the stuff that's in the collection, I've got some autographed books and that type of thing, too. And it's that's not something you can easily put on the wall. It sits on a shelf. But it's definitely something that has the memory of when I got it, how I got it, who I was with, all that type of stuff. Well, send us your questions on your collectibles. Let us know what you like to collect. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. This is the part of the show where we answer your questions. And in order to answer your questions, we need to know what they are. Send them to us. One user friendly on Facebook, one user friendly on Twitter, or give us a call 503-766-6264 or send them to us at our website, userfriendlyshow.com. What questions do we have this week? Can voice recognition be used to write a document? Yeah, that's an interesting question, and the answer to that is voice recognition is really coming into its own. So we've seen this with smart speakers. You're starting to be able to carry on a normal conversation, but we're also seeing it in a dictation mode in most of the word processing programs we have. Word supports it. um, Google Docs supports it. So all of that's built into those different products. And what it is is just a matter of testing or clicking on a microphone button, and they're actually taking this to a third step now where you can be having a conversation online, like a phone call or something like that, and it's actually capable of taking dictation of that phone conversation into and including 
knowing who the different speakers are, labeling it accordingly, and all that kind of stuff. So this has come a long way. It's a piece of software that's been designed uh, early on. It came out in a product called Dragon Naturally Speaking that you would buy as a third-party standalone. There were other manufacturers, but that was the bigger one. And now they're getting to a point where it's basically just built into your word editor. Is there really a difference between SSD and regular hard drives? Are the SSDs worth the extra money? All right. So acronym alert, SSD is solid state drive. And Mm -hmm. what this is, is it's a new technology that has come out. It's been out for a while now, and it's meant to replace mechanical hard drives. So when you push the power button and have that spinning up sound and all that kind of stuff, that would be a mechanical hard drive. Solid states are capable of doing the same thing a mechanical would, but they are solid state memory. So there's nothing that moves, and they're made in a very similar fashion to a flash drive. So like your USB memory stick, that kind of a thing, there's a little difference in the technology, but it's the same idea, usually are capable of larger sizes and larger storage and can boot a computer. And in my opinion, yes, they're very much worth the money. It speeds your boot up time, even on a slower computer considerably. They run faster. They are able to get to information quicker. And uh, I I like having them. They have some hybrid models for when this was really expensive when it first came out. It would actually run your operating system on the flash drive, and then you would save to a mechanical drive, so it was kind of the best of both. Now you can get a flash drive for under $100, or SSD, rather, for under $100. They can actually run your entire computer, and they do make them where they drop in replacements, so you don't have to buy a completely new system to be able to get the benefit of SSD. Now, to every plus, there's a downside. The one big one is solid-state drives do have a limited number of writes. For a normal computer user, it's not something that you'll run into, but if you do use them on a server, or something high volume, you want to be concerned about that and see they're different for different manufacturers, and it's just a matter of reading the box. What is Amazon Halo? Amazon Halo, question that came in here, and this is a product that was announced by Amazon uh, just a little while ago. In fact, it's still on early access with them if you want to try it out, and what it is is a thing like a Fitbit. So it's their own version of it, but it kind of takes it to the next level in which case it uh, tracks just about everything, including your sleep and other uh, things like that, that uh, current smartwatches and stuff are just starting to get into. Um, It will analyze your sleep patterns. And then there's a whole bunch of backup software, which is typical for Amazon, where it can analyze and look at different things and be able to help you out figuring out things like distractions and all of that kind of stuff, see where you're spending your time, see where you're spending your activity. And it seems like something that's pretty decent. Now, one of the things that, in my opinion, I prefer about the Fitbit is the Fitbit has a screen. This one does not. Now, Amazon's saying that that's actually a benefit because there's less destruction or distractions from the device. So, you know, we'll kind of see where that that goes. Uh, it's immediately available in three colors and retailing for sixty four ninety nine on their site. Does it cost money to freeze my credit? It shouldn't, but that doesn't mean it doesn't. So, <laughs> and where this question comes from is a listener um, who we've been talking about hacks and all of that that's been going on lately, and they had their identity stolen and have been trying to deal with it and are about eight months into having to fight that, which is never an easy battle to deal with. And they got on and unfortunately got onto a site where they tried to charge them a lot of money to freeze their credit. All three of the credit reporting agencies do offer this option for free, but you have to go to each site individually and go in and register for an account, and it's a different process for each one. But it is not something that you should actually have to pay for. And if you do go with a company that does it for you and you choose that route, that's fine. 
but check out the company and make sure that they're not trying to rip you off either because there's so many people out there that will do that. And I just found it was easy enough for me to go to all three of the providers, get in there, lock down my credit, took me a couple of hours and it was done. This is User-Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining me now is Doc Durton, interviewed by Steve Muller, who's going to be talking about filmmaking in Virginia City. Well, Bill, thank you uh, for that toss. And uh, I'm on location here in Virginia City with a very good friend of mine, a filmmaker named Doc Durden, who I've been associated with for about six years. And the interesting thing about Doc is um, he runs Virginia, Nevada Studios. And he's a, he's a filmmaker, and the, his favorite genre is the Western and the cowboy, and basically uh, period pieces from the 19th century. And if you saw Doc walking up and down the streets of Virginia City, the first thing you'd notice about him is that he is dressed for the period and very authentically. So, Doc, thank you for coming to the show. I appreciate you coming on. Steve, how do you do? Good seeing you again. It's always good to see you, my friend. Absolutely. And, um, so you and I have had a kind of interesting year uh, this past uh, 2019. Yes. Um, you've been on my sets over the last six years. I've been on your sets over the last six years. And uh, last year, um, you gave me the privilege of being involved in a couple of stories, short films that you were doing, one being the uh, Gunfight at OK Corral recreation from Tombstone, very popular uh, Western film. And also an interesting take on a, a Jesse James story called Jesse James the Lady, where it was an all-female cast. Um, and I, I don't mean to, to sound like we're bragging, but uh, you entered those, uh, I think, four of your films yes, into four. a film mm -hmm. festival um, out in, I think it was Vacaville, California. Vacaville, yes. Okay. Yes. And, we, and they did really well. And in fact, uh, Lady Jesse James came home with a, a finalist uh, trophy uh, called a Westie, which I'd never heard of, but Nonetheless, I learned it to be coveted. Yeah, yeah. So and, congratulations uh, yeah. for that. It's very well deserved. Uh, tell us a little bit about, um, as a producer-director, what stories inspire, how do you get inspired to approach a story to do as a film? Well, uh, th this one here, while I was doing the Wild West Festival uh, at the same time, and, and uh, it, it, was a, it was a huge event, and, uh, and I needed advertising uh, material. And so what I did is that uh, I decided to do a little mini movie, and and uh, and, and and what better movie to uh, uh, the, to re uh, to reenact is uh, Gunfight at the OK Corral. Very popular. And, uh, yeah, and I had the people. Yes, uh, you know they they were very you know look alike. Uh, absolutely, they were terrific. Yeah, one of the things I love about the films that you do is that your actors not only have a great deal of enthusiasm, but we just kind of do it, come and do it together, and do it as a family. Yes, yeah, and there are no egos. No. And no. in fact, everyone is, uh, it just has a great time doing it. And their costuming and their props are also very period authentic, which is really, really neat because you don't see that in a lot of Hollywood films. Yeah, exactly right. As a matter of fact, I did a Hollywood film one time. It was, uh, um, it was uh, uh, Deadwood. Uh, you know, it was a oh, okay. series of Deadwood. Oh, that's and right. And the reason why we got yeah. hired is because we had the authentic. Uh, costume. Okay. So you're right. Yeah, I remember you telling me about yeah. that, which was very, very cool. So you kind of got you 
were hung, hanging around a lot of the extras and, and the actors and, oh, yeah. and you know between setups. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I'm sure that was a riot. It was. It was. It was. It was a lot wow. of fun. Uh, you know, I was, I was, uh, I could, I, I could shake hands with Keith Carradine. Nice. He was on the next, he was at the next table. Uh, yeah. We were in uh, saloon number 13. Yeah. Wow. And uh, so, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was a wonderful experience. Absolutely. Nice. So, um, I also know that you're, you're also quite busy, not just behind the camera, but in preparation. I mean, you've built yourself several really neat sets. You've got a saloon, you've got a sheriff's office, a jail, a courthouse. I mean, you've, have a lot of authentic sets that you yourself have created. Yes. So it's that you truly have a working studio. Uh, yeah, that I do. As a matter of fact, as, as you know, uh, you you being uh, part of the uh, crew mm -hmm. uh, uh, filming uh, Jesse James and right. Gunfight the OK Corral, uh, we use that uh, we use that space quite well. Yes, uh, you do. In other words, we're able to uh, the shift things around. We got the the wall that actually moves back and forth, depending upon how big you want a room or not, uh -huh. and, uh, and and it works out absolutely wonderfully well. Uh, the ends, both ends of the of the building, they f they roll out. Yes, uh, and uh, so I remember they, having to prop up to make a street scene. You make a street scene, absolutely, <laughs> but it worked so, really well. So yeah, it, it worked, worked great. It worked great. Yeah, works great. And uh, so now it's all been redone for the new movie that I'm doing, which is called Leland. And um, and uh, I need a, a jail cell and and, and the uh, uh, the judge's office and the uh, the judge's bench uh, the, the whole courtroom scene. Well, my movie my movie lady or my movie wife, I should say, uh, got arrested uh, for murder, and uh, so that's the reason why we need the courthouse right. and the jail and all that stuff. So it, we start filming again. We already have two scenes that are done. <clears throat> we start filming again in uh, th this Thursday coming up. Oh, yeah. Huh. Uh, uh, because uh, one, uh, the sheriff was off that day. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so, so you, you mentioned that the next story that you're doing is is Leland, and that's based on Leland. Well, uh, Leland Stanford, Leland Stan uh, okay. yeah, yeah, University of yeah. Stanford. That uh, goes back to the uh, you know mid 1800s. Okay. And um, I, and actually, I'm in this movie. I don't norm. I'm not normally in my movies, but I'm I'm playing Leland. Okay. And he was basically like a railroad baron. Yes. Oh, yes. Uh, very. Uh, very influential. He uh, he was into a lot of different things, and okay. he was president of most. Okay, and uh, even the governor of uh, California for a while. Now the now the slant of this movie is uh, uh, is it kind of like the way you've described it to me is almost like a Doctor Jekyll and Sister Hyde, where his his wife has two yes. sides to her persona. Mm -hmm. The yes, you know yes. the nice Victorian lady <laughs> yes, of society, very proper, but she's also very highly protective of him to the point where she kills for him. Yes. Yes, and wow. she did. And uh, now this, this, is this based on a real event? Uh, no, no. Oh, okay. No, no, no. So this is it's the, not the life and so time to Leland. So Sanders. you have some creative no. license going here. Yes, exactly. okay. Well, very creative. You. Well, that's very, what a filmmaker does anyway. Yeah, it's a twist that uh, nobody really expects, uh, uh, but uh, it's 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 there, and uh, and it shows uh, the versatility and the acting skills of nice. uh, Michelle uh, Bachman. She yes. is absolutely yes. terrific. Well, she was one of the Lady Jesse James characters. Yes, she was right. part of the posse. Yeah. Okay, yeah. nice. So um, when you're when you're directing a scene, what I've noticed on your set is that you don't necessarily follow a hard script. No, no. You you actually invite the actors to kind of take the, your main idea, yes. what you want them to emote, what you want to yes. come across in the scene, 
and you just kind of let things develop organically between the actors. I tell you, you know, I've had scripts before, and uh, uh, and, and all I have to do is just guide them right. and tell them this is what I need from A to B. Mm-hmm. And then once you go, f- and then I'm, then I give it to them. I want you to become this person. Right. And the the stuff that I get, I could not put on right. paper. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant yes. what they bring to the set. Yeah. Well, no, I, I mean it's it's kind of fun witnessing that. Um, because it's, it's in a way it's, it taught me a little bit about a directing style because my style, is not quite that way, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but, um, I like that it's organic and I like that you kind of give your actors a kind of a creative sure. space and a creative license to, to do their own thing. Well, I mean, eight minutes isn't enough to talk to you. So there's a very good <laughs> chance that, uh, that, that Bill, Jeremy and Gretchen may want to bring you back for a follow-up, especially as you, uh, continue working on Leland. And other projects that you have going. Um, we certainly have enjoyed having you on the show. And I know that you and I are going to continue to be very busy together. Thank you. Yes, we will. All right. Well, Doc Durden, thank you so much. And uh, Bill, Gretchen, and Jeremy, back to you in the studio. Steve, thank you so much for that interview. That was really interesting. It's kind of cool to hear about all the things that are going on. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. I can't believe it is already the end of the year. Oh, no. It's the end of the decade. I mean, oh, my God. It's been a whole, like, 10 years since we started this. No, I'll tell you what. It's the Roaring Twenties. It's the Roaring Twenties is right. I'm ready for the Roaring Twenties. I'm ready to be done with 2020, though. Uh, Oh, yeah. And if anybody's listening that has liked this year and been happy with it, Please send us an email, although I won't be holding my breath. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, they must be on a different planet in a galaxy really, really far, 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 far away. away. And wherever that is, please let me know. I'll even quarantine for 14 days, but let me go there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, 2021 couldn't have more strangeness to it, I think, than 2020. So we're looking forward to another good year. I hope that we'll be able to get back to some of our conventions. Things are scheduled for next year. All of it, of course, is subject to it being safe and getting through the whole COVID thing. And with the vaccines finally being out there and stuff, hopefully we are going to get to that point pretty soon. I know that we have something scheduled for February, and uh, I think that's the Wizard World, actually. So we'll see whether that happens or not. It would be interesting because that's the last show that we were actually able to do, BC. BC in this case, meaning before COVID, of course. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, what are you guys looking forward to next year, assuming that we get back to nor- normal production? I'm looking forward to going to the um, Silicon Valley. I mean, that one was a great convention. I want to see that one again. Yep. And that's in the fall. And that's the one you did the builder workshop with uh, Adam Savage for. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what, what you get into that. Bill, any any new games coming out next year? I know the PlayStation 5, we might actually be able to get one. I Well, I mean, there should be a ton of new games coming out next year, I hope. Um I don't know. You that's know, a good question. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> everything right now is so up in the air, and that and that's been one of the things I know this year for a lot of people that have been difficult is the ability to plan. And there's some stuff that'll be on the market, but hitting the dates and knowing what they are, even with movie reviews, which I hope to start doing again too in 2021. I, even with that, we don't know when stuff's going to be released because the dates are published, and we have an agency that gives us our, our critique credential and all of that kind of thing, and they publish these things. 
And uh, what happens is it keeps changing. And with Warner Brothers now distributing directly to streaming uh, at the same time as the studios and some of the other studios following that, it's hard to really know exactly what's going to happen when it's going to happen. So I think we're going to have a lot of these things where we're kind of playing it by ear. And we're just going to have to deal with it. Although I think by the end of next year, we'll probably be a lot more normal. But uh, Gretchen, what are you looking forward to? I'm looking forward to some of the um, the Star Wars projects that they're hinting at. I mean, I've really enjoyed The Mandalorian. And there's so many interesting things that they're teasing with us that they're going to go into production. So I'm excited for that. That'll be cool to see. Hopefully by next year, I'll have actually watched the new episodes of The Mandalorian and we can talk about yeah. it a little bit. And we're coming up from there. Well, to everybody from our team, have a wonderful holiday season. Until 2021, this is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014 to 2021, User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. The views and opinions expressed on this show are those of the host and not necessarily User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or the station. Music licensing by BMI. Hosting provided by wearetechnology.com. Podcast available at userfriendlynation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.